Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. The scripture lesson that I was referring to when the children were up front is commonly known as the prodigal son. But I like the message translation because it talks about the lost son. And I was, as I was reading commentary about this passage, someone suggested that maybe it could also be called the parable of the bereaved father. The son's request was shameful to his family. His actions were careless and reckless. And so with that in mind, I invite you to listen to what is probably familiar, even if you're not familiar with the stories of faith. This is probably familiar, but let's listen and imagine with an ear and an eye for today's theme, which is forgiveness. Life is all about improv. If you haven't learned that yet, we're happy to help you. Which translation do you want to read? Just scroll up here. Just go ahead right there. Okay. This way. Do you want me to use... I'll use this mic. Okay, we're good. Then he continued. Once there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that will come to me. So he divided up his property between the two of them. Before very long, the younger son collected all his belongings and went off to a foreign land where he squandered his wealth in the wildest extravagances. And when he would run through all his money, a terrible famine arose in that country, and he began to feel the pinch. Then he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He got to the point of longing to the stuff himself, with the food the pigs were eating, and not a soul gave him anything. Then he came to his senses and cried aloud, Why, dozens of my father's hired men have got more food than they can eat, and here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have done wrong in the sight of heaven and in your eyes. I do not deserve to be called your son anymore. Please take me on as one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still some distance off, his father saw him, and his heart went out to him, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. But his son said, Father, I have done wrong in the sight of heaven and in your eyes. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Hurry, called out his father to the servants. Fetch the best clothes and put them on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet, and get that calf we fattened and kill it and we will have a feast and celebration, for this is my son. I thought he was dead, and he's alive again. I thought I had lost him, and he's found. And they began to get the festivities going. Come on up here, Jet, and bring my phone. I'm going to need that for another. Yeah. Yeah. 
part of Scripture. You get your phone back. Yay. That was awesome. Thank you. So Jet and I have spoken about forgiveness before, and he's agreed to share with us um, some of what he's learned about forgiveness. So, Jet, you know, what have you learned about forgiveness in your 18 years? Well, in my 18 years? Well, I was going to try focusing a little bit more on things that I did in Japan, but I wanted to make a few things that you could find a lead somewhere. Okay. Um, And so the first one was when I went to Japan, I had to learn a new language. And part of that is that a lot of words have different meanings in different languages. And so I had to define what does sorry mean to me and what does I forgive you mean. Hmm. And I had to do that not only in English, but also in Japanese. And so a lot of times, you know, sorry means I made a mistake. And you have to admit to the other person that you made a mistake and that a large part of saying sorry is that you'll go to go to fix it. You'll try making ends to do that. And on top of that, forgiveness, which is what we're talking about today, is saying, I believe you. I believe that you feel sorry for this. I believe that you'll try making ends to do this. And I believe that you can do it. And just thinking that through was really important for me in just figuring out what those two things mean. And then later on, something that I contacted Sarah about was there was a point in which I was having a hard time accomplishing a task that I was expected to do by someone, and I consistently said sorry. And it was hard because at one point they decided that they didn't want to forgive me because they didn't believe that I could fix it. And that was really hard. And I'm sure that many of you have not been forgiven for something, and that was really hard for you. Because when someone doesn't forgive you, they're essentially saying, I don't believe in you. I don't think you can fix what you have wronged me. And that's that's really hard. And then later, I realized part of that was the culture. And I kind of had to just deal with this being a reality. And so the way that I ended up fixing it is that a lot of times in our language, there's no real way to ask, please, please say sorry. And there's no way to say, please, please forgive me. You can say that directly, but in our culture, and in theirs as well, that's not very common. Hmm. And so a lot of times as someone who might want the other person to do something, it was very powerful to realize, I can't control what the other person does. I can't control what you want to do, I can't control how you feel, but I can control what I do. And so as much as I can, whenever I have wronged someone, I attempt to take the imperative to say I'm sorry or to forgive and not lay that on the other person. It's, It's easy to say, I want you to say I'm sorry, or I want you to say, forgive, forgive, I forgive you, but we can't control this. Yeah. Those are the three little things I learned. Yeah, that's, that's a lot, Jet. Um, it takes some people decades, multiple decades, more than one in 1.8 decades uh, to get there. And I guess, what do you think is harder, asking or offering forgiveness? Depends. Hmm. 
a lot of times it's hard to ask for forgiveness as when we say I'm sorry a lot of times it's implied mm -hmm. but sometimes it isn't always and many times it can be hard to forgive people if you don't believe that they can fix the problem that they've made or if you don't believe in them and so it's hard to do both sides of the story yep. Yep. and given that um, our question our more uh, poignant question is how important is forgiveness? I think forgiveness is one of the most important things in our language. Hmm. You know, it's one of the basics of how to fix problems, how to find problems, and how to try hmm. getting to solutions that can benefit everyone. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jet. Thank you for all that you've shared. You can go ahead back and sit with your family or sit wherever you want. This is your church. It's your nest. You know, Anne Lamott, who I quote often, says, Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Not forgiving has a corrosive quality to it, a toxic, corrosive quality. She also says that forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. And I would add to that, I would say it's giving up all hope of having had a better or a different past. It's about coming to terms with what was rather than what we wish was or wish had been. And I have... Um, two examples for you. The first was a segment on 60 Minutes a couple weeks ago. It was a segment on restorative justice. And there was a woman featured. She's a teacher. She's a mother of four. She lives in a town of just 500 people. And her brother was killed by a drunk driver. You can imagine how devastating that was and is. And in her own words, she said, I was a monster. I was an uninspiring person. I was filled with resentment. And I felt that the only thing this person deserved was hate. And she was completely committed to a life of vengeance. And when asked why, she said, because she felt she had the right to be. She felt it was her right. And then she realized, perhaps the toxicity of this started to really get to her. She realized that she, the only way she could save herself was by meeting the person who ruined her life. And so it took five years, but after five years and different letters exchanged, she came face to face with the person who was driving the car. And what she realized in that encounter is that they were both grieving the same person. They were both grieving the loss of the same person. And that she was actually in a better position because she had other memories of him. And so in that moment, her heart was open through the preparation of those letters, through the preparation that five years of resentment built up, had an effect probably, 
and she forgave him. But not only that, she asked for his forgiveness, for her vengeance. Her vengeance was an all-out attempt to make sure that he got a maximum sentence, which he did, and to make sure that everybody knew what he had done. And so she was moved in that moment to also ask him for forgiveness. It was an amazing story. The next story also involves a car accident, much much less tragic. Um, But it was an accident that I was in on Thursday. I'm fine. Um, I want you to know that. And I'm only talking about it, and I want to let you know that, you know, it's, it's interesting to be a preacher because as you're praying over something, uh, life events happen. And it's hard not to look at them in light of what you're praying over. So I've been praying about forgiveness. And so here came this moment where I was sitting at a traffic light and there was an accident happening right in front of me. I heard screeching and cars colliding, and one of the cars spun out and hit me um, and then spun off and got out of the way. So it, was a, it happened very quickly, as these things do. It was very jarring, as these things are, and I'm sorry if this is triggering anything for any of you, um, but this is what happened. And so there's a lot of forgiveness that can go into this event. Uh, There were two other drivers plus myself. And it was actually, someone said to me, did you forgive the driver? I said, oh my God, that was the easy part. I mean, seriously, it was because I saw their face. I saw the face of the woman who apparently was sort of responsible for the accident. She was devastated. Not only that, but, you know, after that initial calm, when you realize that everyone's sort of okay, there's no bleeding, everyone's breathing, people could walk, soft tissue stuff, we'll talk about that another day, but, you know, she started to shake. And so we tended to her. Does anybody have a blanket? Let's put a blanket on her. Tears, no tears, tears, no tears. It was obvious that she was sorry. I don't know of anyone that does these things on purpose. So the hearts of my heart, the heart of the other person in the accident who was trying to avoid her, our hearts went out to her. And my heart went out to the one who actually hit me. He was trying to avoid her. And um, it was actually quite beautiful in that way. But there was another piece of this. See, as soon as it happened, I tried to call Beth from my car. And it went to voicemail. And then I tried to text. And, and there was no response. And I... I felt hurt that I couldn't get in touch with her. You know, sometimes things aren't real until you get in touch with the person who knows you most. And having said that, um, 
a doctor that we know from this church saw the accident, texted me and said, are you okay? They would have been there in a heart. They were right across the street. A friend did pick up the phone and came and was with me. Two eyewitnesses waited through the lengthy process of being interviewed, but also, are you okay? Because I, of course, was shivering too. But back to Beth, and this is, an, and she knows I'm talking about this, um, so don't worry about her. And you can have pity for her being a preacher's wife, it's hard, because she's had to think about forgiveness too. But we've had three conversations since that accident. And I initiated all three because I felt the distance between us. I was upset that she wasn't available and that she wasn't there and that she wasn't... I didn't want her to be in the car at the time of the accident, but I wanted her to be there when I called. And so the first conversation I said, can you tell me why your phone... tell me about why your phone was on airplane mode Like, why do you do that? Like, help me understand that. So she very patiently told me. I said, okay. And then I went back to my quiet room. I was trying to pray. And then I came back. Most of these conversations happened on the stairs, by the way. It's very interesting. (laughs) The analysts can talk to me later. But So I went to Beth and I said, you know, I have to tell you, I feel bad saying this, and this was hard for me to say. I feel bad saying this, but I'm a little angry and resentful that you weren't there. It it hurt me. Um, I felt hurt by that. And she said, I hope you'll forgive me. And I said, I, I, I will. And then the third conversation, which was a day later, I said, you know, I want to apologize to you for the unfair expectation that you would always be on the other end of the phone and that you would be available if something happened. And she said, thank you for that. Um, And so then I said, okay, uh, you have until 10 o'clock Sunday morning, but how are you doing with forgiving yourself? Because I could see the anguish on her face, just like I could on the person who caused the accident. She felt bad that she wasn't there for me. In fact, she would take it further and say, I wish I had been in the car, which I'm really glad you weren't. But And so I said, how are you doing? Again, you have until 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Because um, <laughs> this will be shared. And she said, well, you know, it's easier for me to forgive myself because you asked me to forgive you for being unfair in my expectations. She said, that made it easier. I said, okay. I said, good, I think I can go public with this. That's good. (laughs) And I said, but I I also want to say one more thing that I have found helpful in my life. I shared this with Beth. I said, don't confuse grief with remorse. You know, when something happens to someone we know and love, we feel horrible. We can say, I'm sorry, without taking responsibility, because it's not our responsibility. And so be in touch with the grief of that and allow that to 
uh, dispel any guilt um, for my Irish Catholic spouse, which is hard, but it, that statement was helpful too. Yeah. So you might not want to camp out with me when I'm preaching during the week. If anything happens, you're going to have to be a part of it. But I offer that very real, timely example and how hard it was to initiate those conversations. I could have said, I didn't have to do that. Beth knows. I don't have to say that. And that would have just increased the distance. Now, I want to acknowledge that for some, it's not a minor car accident. There are people in this room, myself included, who grew up in families that were painfully and dangerously ill-equipped for parenting. They didn't provide or protect. They used power to manipulate and to harm. And I know that there's still love shared because not every moment is abusive, but there are moments where there are illegal and immoral things happening. And that's when other nests become critical. The nest of school, the nest of community, the nest of church. And for some people, it's the nest of nature or pets, something to connect with that is life-giving, something to connect with that conveys love. Even in these instances, forgiveness is the only way that I know to move toward new life. Forgiveness is the bridge that gets us to that next place of life and of freedom. The Beatitude said, Blessed are the forgiving, for they are free. The other translation is, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The connection between mercy and forgiveness is real. And I'm not saying this, that anyone should stay in a harmful situation. Get out of that harmful situation. We're talking about the hard work of forgiving that may follow. Forgiveness does not mean it was okay or it is okay ever. There is no excuse for abuse ever. Forgiveness means you're going to put it down. Even if it's just for a moment. We say this a lot here. Just try it out. Just put it down for a moment. If you need to pick it up later, you can. I want to share with you a scripture that also speaks to the primacy of forgiveness. I'm sure you've heard it. It's from the Gospel of John. It says... It's during Pentecost, and Jesus says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone, they are forgiven. And if you hold them unforgiven, they are unforgiven. What we bind on earth, we bind in heaven or that place where God dwells. But listen to this translation. If you forgive someone's sins their shortcomings, their flaws, 
the ways they fall short. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? Huh? The last thing we need is to carry someone else's stuff. And forgiveness says, I'm going to put it down. Imagine if the father in this morning's scripture hadn't put it down. That father is, uh, represents God in this case. But let's pretend it just represents a father or a parent or a friend. What if that person hadn't put it down? Then how would he have reached out with both arms and ran out to offer a hug? If you're like me and you want to live and love more fully and freely and you want to experience the joy in life, you need both hands. I hope you know that a hug feels a lot better with both hands. So we're going to give you some time to consider this further. Robert's going to play a piece of music and as he's playing, if you feel moved, you can also take a look at this picture on the back of the bulletin. This rock formation is in Zion National Park and it's called Prodigal Sun. Sometimes forgiveness can feel as hard as scaling a rock. But I got to tell you, anything that requires a safety helmet is not a spiritual practice. So consider how you might be a person of forgiveness. Robert, introduce your piece, please. So the piece that I'm going to play is, first of all, I have to make a small correction. It's by Brahms. He's plural. And it's an A major. Um, so I went to hear a master class of one of my favorite concert pianists in the world on this uh, piece. And he made this really cool suggestion. This is one piece of a larger set. And he made this really cool suggestion that the whole set is about two lovers. And so there's this, the next piece after this one you might know, it goes something like um, It's this big march thing, and it's uh, really warlike. And then in the middle, there's this really tender section. And so Marie Pariah suggested that that was um, one of the lovers had gone off to war, and that the the middle section was reminiscing about his lover that he's away from. This first piece, it just kind of occurred to me this week that it starts with what I think is definitely an evocation of love, and then in the B section it goes into a minor key, and there's this whole canon thing. So one voice is echoing what the first voice says. And then eventually that echoing voice kind of gets its own direction as well. And I feel um, it, it has some sort of a representation of two lovers a conflict and a discussion, and then a resolution. So I just want you to listen for that while you hear this piece.
Friends in Christ, when you go, wherever you go, may all that is unforgiven in you be released. May God raise up new life within you. And may your life overflow in love, compassion, mercy, and courage. And let us say together, Amen.